Thank you, Grace, very much indeed. Uh, good evening, everyone. It's really good to be uh, here with you uh, this evening. And it's been a joy to be able to share uh, this message with uh, the other two services at 9.30 and 11.30 as well. There's been a survey that's been running for uh, quite a number of years, a couple of decades, that asks the question as follows. Do you think the quality of life is best progressed in Britain by A, putting the community interests before our own, or B, looking after ourselves? Well, before the year 2000, the overwhelming majority of people went for A, that the best way to improve all people's lives is that we look out for each other. But in 2006, that flipped round the other way. The overwhelming majority of people said that the way that we can care for everybody in the very best way is to look after me. Well, not me, but us individually. Look after yourself. Jesus, in that passage that Grace has just read out to us a moment ago, says exactly the opposite. My sense is that that sense of looking after number one has grown as the years have rolled by. We're told, aren't we, in our culture, follow your heart, go after your dreams, make the choices that you want to make, live the life that you want to live. But what does Jesus say? In verse 23, he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, our culture says, say yes to yourself. And Jesus says, if you want life, you must say no to yourself. And in that verse 23, he shares two particular things. He says, first... You must deny yourself. So what does that mean, to deny ourselves? Well, as I said, self says, I want to choose how I spend my weekends. I want to choose with whom I spend my time. I want to choose how I spend my money. I want to choose who I can sleep with, the career I pursue. I want to choose where I want to live. And Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you need to say no to yourself and yes to me and what I want for you. That's really challenging, isn't it? And then he goes on to say, if anyone comes after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. And then he goes on to say that he himself will be rejected and killed. And Jesus says that anyone who follows him must be willing to be rejected and killed too. You see, following Jesus is about saying yes to Jesus, whatever the cost. You know, if we were living in Nigeria as Christians today, 
then saying yes to Jesus might very well indeed cost our lives. If we were living in North Korea today, almost certainly following Jesus would mean that we would lose our freedom. And even living in Claygate or the surrounding area, there will still involve a cost in following Jesus. For example, it it might mean that we have less money than perhaps some of our friends because we choose to give some of our money away to help those who are in need. It might be that we have less time than some of our friends have the time to do what they want to do because we might be caring for the lady in our small group who is really struggling at the moment or perhaps the man who is finding it really tough and is quite lonely. There may be people who think less of us because we follow Jesus or who mock us. Maybe they sideline us at school or college, or work, maybe in our home, in the family, maybe in our leisure activities. Perhaps we invite people to connections, or to come to the six, or to Trinity Tots, but they roll their eyes at us when we invite them. There is a cost, even here, for us, when we say yes to Jesus, And no to ourself. And you'll notice here that Jesus is not saying this to some group of special super disciples. No, no, he's saying this. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple. This is for all of us. No matter who we are, this is for all of us. This is normal Christian discipleship. And now I think it's great that Jesus is so honest, so upfront, right at the beginning. It's not hidden, is it? You know, it's not hidden somewhere in the terms and conditions, in the small print of what it means to be a Christian. No, Jesus is upfront and open about the cost of what it means to say yes to him and no to ourselves, whatever the cost. You see, Jesus calls us simply to follow him. Now, I know that a lot of what is Jesus has said, his words, there's nothing new in this. We've heard this all before. But, you know, I sense that we've tended to forget it. It's very easy for me to say I'm a Christian and I follow Jesus whilst quietly having a group of things that I want to say, yeah, but I want to live my life, Jesus, in the way that I want to live my life with those things. And I have to say that in sharing what I'm sharing tonight, I haven't made it. (laughs) You know? You can ask Monica, I haven't made, well don't, but I haven't made it. (laughs) This is for all of us. Because Jesus says following means following. You know, if I agreed um, to follow you home tonight, I'm not stalking you, but if we agreed that I would follow you home this evening, you know, that you're leading and I'm following in your car, um, if you want to turn left, then if you're leading and I'm following, what would I do? Turn left. 
brilliant. But suppose I fancy turning right. What would you say about my following skills? Rubbish, thank you. No, don't pull a punch. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> Absolutely. You'd say they were not very good, it's hopeless. You see, following just means following. Go where they go. Jesus goes the way of obedience that costs him everything. And he says, follow me. But why would we do that? Why would we choose to follow someone who talks about the cost? Why would we do that? And perhaps you're sitting here, you've been a Christian for, for many years, and maybe you're a bit road-weary. Maybe you're wobbling a bit. Maybe you've just had enough of what it means to follow Jesus because you know the cost right here of what it is meant to you to follow him. Is it really worth it? If you've been reading uh, the story that we've been doing through Luke's gospel over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that Luke, right at the very, very beginning, says that he's writing his gospel so that we can be certain about the things that we have been taught. So Luke wants us to be absolutely certain. He wants us to be sure that saying yes to Jesus, whatever the cost, is the right way to go. And you know, I think there are three Ps in this passage that help us if we're struggling with this. The first P is the person of Jesus. I heard of a couple who moved to London a little while ago. And moving to a new area, as husband and wife, they decided that they were going to take up a brand new sport together. They'd never done it before, didn't know much about it, so they chose badminton. One night, they went along to the uh, badminton club, and they were just very gently and nicely lobbing the, um, hitting the shuttlecock over the net to each other, but they didn't really know what to do. So uh, the man noticed, the husband noticed, that there were a group who seemed to be playing pretty well next door, so he went across to them and interrupted what they were doing and said, excuse me, uh, do you know any of the rules? They looked a little bit strangely at him, but nonetheless, they gave him some of the rules and he was very grateful and said thank you, and then went back to his wife and they started playing a little bit more enthusiastically. It was only when he got into the changing rooms a little bit later when someone told him that the people he had spoken to in the neighboring court were the GB badminton team. <laughs> Had he known who they were, he might have approached them slightly differently. The key to approaching Jesus is to know who he is. And that's the question that's been circulating around in the few chapters before our passage in Luke tonight. You'll remember when Jesus calmed the storm, 
the question on the disciples' lips was, who is this? A few verses later, Herod has heard of all that Jesus is going around and doing. And he asks, who is this I hear such things about? You see, the question is, who is he? And Jesus knows that's the question. That's why he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they come up, well, some are prophets, some are teacher. But you're not going to follow and say yes to simply a prophet and teacher and to follow that prophet and teacher and say no to yourself, whatever the cost, are you? That's why when he asked Peter, Peter knows. What does he say? Peter answered, you are God's Messiah. You see, Peter recognized that Jesus is the chosen one, the one that the whole of the Old Testament has been pointing to, the chosen one, the king of the world who is going to come as God himself and heal and put together a broken world. And Peter knows that this person is Jesus because he's been going around seeing what Jesus has been doing. He's been putting the world back together. He's been setting people free. He's been healing people of their diseases. He's been opening the eyes of the blind. He's been forgiving people their sins. You see, Peter gets it. And because he knows that Jesus is God's Messiah, Peter is prepared to say yes to Jesus and no to self, whatever the cost. I'm not very good with computers and tech. And at work, Sarah will know this, at work we're all having to shift across to something is called SharePoint and OneDrive. Now, you may all know what they are, and it might be an absolute breeze, but I don't want to do that, because I like to know what I like to know, and if I can make it work. But I've got to go with it, because I'm a man under authority. And so, I've asked Jeff. Jeff is a computer whiz kid, a bit of a, a computer expert, and he's helped me. I've asked him to help me with this significant change. And he gladly has come to my rescue. So I asked Jeff. And because I'm confident in Jeff's identity, I know that he's a computer expert. And I know that he's come to my rescue. When he tells me what to do, what am I going to do? I'm going to do it, aren't I? I'm going to stop doing what I think I can do, because I don't know a jot about it, and I'm going to do what Jeff tells me to do, because he's there to help me, to rescue me, to put it right for me. You see, I say yes to Jeff. <laughs> and that's the point. The whole reason that this world is broken is because we've done what we've wanted to do and not what God wants. And the king has come to put it back together again. And so we need to say yes to him and no to self, whatever the cost. 
That's the first P, the person of Jesus. The second P is the pattern of Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples not to go around and say to everyone that he is the king because they don't yet understand how he's going to fix their broken world. You see, the disciples, like many of that time, they thought that the Messiah would come essentially with the sword, overthrowing the Romans. Victorious celebrations would then follow as God's rule and reign would break in through that mighty power. Sure, it was about revolution. Jesus was bringing in a revolution, but it wasn't to be by the sword. It was to be by the cross. What does he say in verse 22? The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You see, the pattern of Jesus' ministry is not about warfare and victorious celebration, defeating the Romans in that sense, by the sword. It's about suffering, it's about being rejected, and it's about being killed. And notice the word must appears in this little section quite a number of times. You see, the cross was no terrible accident. Jesus knew in being obedient to his father's plan that he needed to walk the way of the cross. That is what must happen. And so if that's Jesus' pattern of ministry... In the next verses, that's the pattern of ministry that Jesus calls us as his disciples to walk. What does he say? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. We take up the cross. We follow Jesus in the pattern of his ministry. The way that he goes. So we too must follow the cross-shaped pattern of the person of Jesus. Now, of course, that might make some of us want to say, well, I don't want to go that way. And sure, it's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying I've got it all sorted here. But that's what Jesus calls of us as his disciples. And it Sometimes feels like that, that we want to give up, doesn't it? And it's okay to say, sometimes I feel like I want to give up. But if we feel like that, let's just look at Jesus. Isn't what Jesus is doing beautiful? In a world of people living for themselves, the king of the universe is prepared to sacrifice himself in obedience to God's rescue plan. Surely that's beautiful, if anything is. And that is the beautiful way that he calls us to go in also. So when you're feeling the cost of following him, when it's hard, 
Perhaps when a teacher makes fun of you at school or your bus, boss makes funny remarks because they know that you go to church on a Sunday or whatever it might be. And when you're wobbling, Jesus says, look, my friends, take heart. This is just what it means to follow me. If it's costing you, it shows it is for real. It shows that you're one of my disciples. It shows that you are following me. When I was at school, I hated cross-country running. I don't know whether that resonates with anyone else here. I still uh, hate it, not that I've tried to do it for many, many decades. Um, But what made cross-country running even worse for me was that our sports teacher used to set us off on the run, and then he used to go back inside to the warm and the dry in order to read the newspaper. In the meantime, I was, well, largely walking, and getting wet, cold, muddy, and thoroughly miserable. I can assure you, it was very hard to ever say yes to him in any sort of enthusiastic way. There was another sports teacher, however. He did come on the runs and was very encouraging and spurred us on. I walked a bit quicker rather than run. But it was much easier to say yes to him. You see, what the king, what King Jesus is asking me to do, he's already done it himself for me. He's not asking me to do something that he hasn't already done. You see, the cost of my saying yes to him is nothing beside the cost of him saying yes to me. He's already walked the way of the cross and given me life because of it. The famous cricketer, uh, C.T. Stubbs, who uh, left um, uh, the, the cricket pitch, the cricket crease, and became a missionary. And whenever people asked him, why did you do that, for goodness sake? He said these words. He said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me to make for him. So as we seek to be disciples of Jesus... As we go and deny ourselves, as we say no to self and yes to him, we need to remember the person of Jesus, the pattern of Jesus, and then lastly and more succinctly, the promise of Jesus, which is the promise of life. You see, often people will say, well, if I follow Jesus and there's all this denying oneself and picking up our cross and all that stuff, won't I miss out on life? No. Because the only way to live life is to follow Jesus. You know, as we've read Luke's gospel, what have we seen Jesus doing? Have we seen him oppressing people? Have we seen him um, making sure that he spoils everything? Not at all. Jesus has come to restore us to the life we were created for. Life with God now and forever. And that's why in verse 24 he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. 
But whoever loses their life for me will save it. You see, Jesus has come to give us the life that we were created for. And having life all turns on where we stand with him. So if we are seeking to save our lives, and by that I mean if we're trying to avoid Jesus' call to costly following him, if anyone says, I don't want to follow Jesus, I want to enjoy my life my way, then Jesus says, well, you may have many things, but you don't have me, and therefore you don't have life. If, on the other hand, we hear his call and seek to follow him as best we can in the power of the Spirit, it may cost us everything, but if we have Jesus, we have life. And Jesus nails it in the next verse. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. You see, we think, don't we, that we've gained life when we live the dream. But the Bible again and again says, no, that's not life. We were created for more, far more than that. There's knowing Jesus and being known by him. And there's being loved by him. That is is life. And so as I finish, can I encourage each one of us more and more in the days and weeks ahead to say yes to Jesus, to say no to self, whatever the cost. Why? Because we remember the person of Jesus, who he is. We remember the pattern of Jesus that he's done. He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself. And then we remember the promise of Jesus, which is the promise of life with God as his child now and forevermore. And nothing, absolutely nothing can take that away from any of God's children.